Hello, and welcome to our first episode of today's Air Defender podcast. I'm your host, Don Herrick, the Air and Missile Defense Cross-Functional Team Public Affairs. Today in the studio, we have the 44th Commandant of the U.S. Army Air Defense Artillery School and the Chief of the Air Defense, Colonel Richard Harrison. Sir, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. Awesome, sir. So, you know, when you first came on as the Commandant, I know you talked about getting a Ph.D., so uh, can you share some of your insights on that, sir? Absolutely. When I first heard that term, uh, PhD, I was a battalion S1 in the battalion Hawaii, 162ADA. And my battalion commander was new. He'd just taken over. We were kind of working the, uh, you know, getting him on board and getting his philosophy for, for the battalion together. And, and he said to me, I want everyone in the battalion to have a PhD. And I'm thinking like, what is he talking about? How, how can our soldiers in our battalion get PhDs? You know, we all we're not going to go out and get, uh, you know, degrees and, and uh, wear a funny hat and tassels and robes. And, <laughs> and how are we going to get a PhD throughout the entire formation? He said, well, PhD I'm talking about, Rich, is very simple. It's pride, hustle, and desire. And those words have stuck with me. That was 1999 until today. When you think about that, he wanted everyone in our battalion to take pride in being a part of our battalion. Uh, pride in being a soldier, United States Army pride in their last name that's on their uniform. It's U.S. Army and your last name. He wanted us to take pride in our last name and to represent our last name throughout, you know, uh, throughout our, our military service in a very positive way and really bring bring credit and bring honor to our family, but also the unit. Soldiers that have pride in themselves and the organization, they don't go out and get in trouble. They don't go out and do misconduct. Uh, they look out for each other. They take care of each other. That's what pride does. And it, pride doesn't allow you to walk past a, an infraction or walk past a cigarette butt that's on the sidewalk or in the grass. Pride lets you look at your vehicle in the motor pool that has your name on it and make sure it's in tip-top shape. It's FMC and it's ready to go and it's uh, performing its wartime mission. So that's what pride brings. It talks about hustle. Hustle is moving with a sense of purpose. It's not waiting for someone to tell you what to do. It's taking the initiative. It's seizing the initiative and running with it, charging the hill or taking out on the task that, uh, that you've been given it and, and really giving it your all uh, and not waiting for someone and not, uh, uh, and not, not, making, sh- not making sure that uh, it's, uh, it's something that's a chore to you. It's something that you embrace and you go after. Uh, and they talked about in PT, it's, it's hustle and getting after PT. It's not letting someone beat you. It's that challenge on that, on that PT track when you're out there running and someone runs beside you and you're like, you're not going to pass me. That's that hustle he talked about. Or someone's doing sit-ups and you're doing sit-ups and you're not letting them pass you in their sit-up count or you're staying until the end, not jumping up when you max. You continue to go. Uh, and then the D stands for desire. He talks about really uh, the desire to be the very best, the desire to let our unit or you as an individual be the very best you can be. Uh, and that's something that stuck with me. I've used that throughout my commands, throughout my staff jobs. My family uses it. Uh, my daughter played on the, on the, a high school basketball team, and she really brought that you know PhD out. And I saw it in her play. Her teammates talked about that. And every battalion, I'm sorry, all the batta- battalions I led and the units I led, that's something that I wanted to do. I wanted everyone to have a PhD. And why not, as the 44th Commandant, try to get everyone in our branch a PhD? A little pride, hustle, and desire, sir. Absolutely. So I, I know we've spoken on numerous occasions of how a mentor affected your decision in joining the Army. 
Uh, can you share? Absolutely. Uh, I was a cadet at Fort Bragg, North Carolina summer camp. And uh, we were looking at, it was branch day. We were trying to decide what branch. So each branch kind of showed up and had their display and had their their, their branch representatives there. And uh, it was time for their defense artillery branch, the 88 branch, to have their, their time with the cadets at summer camp at Fort Bragg. And the display was an Avenger weapon system. It was super clean. Uh, the camouflage net was there. They had the uh, uh, Stinger Troop Fisher Trainer, STPT there. And the soldier that was there to display that was I'll never forget Lieutenant Marlon James. And he was the epitome of the Strack soldier. I mean, he was an airborne trooper. He had a maroon beret, uniform, BDUs back at the time were pressed. His jump boots were highly shine. And he was very knowledgeable in the system, very articulate. He was, he was fit. And he was really what I wanted to be. I saw myself in that uniform. I saw myself in that beret. And I wanted to be in the army even more because what I saw with Marlon James, he looked like me and he really came across as an officer that I wanted to emulate. And he became my mentor. And I happened to run into Marlon James. Many years later, I was at Fort Knox. I was uh, doing uh, some official army duty at Fort Knox and Marlon James came into the barber shop that I was in and he walked in. I said, man, you don't know what you've done for me. I was a colonel at the time. So I'd been in 20 plus years. And here is a, he was a, older man than I was, obviously, but he, you know, 20 some years before had set the example for me to label me to be, you know, at that time, a colonel, former brigade commander. So, you know, looking at your experiences with that mentor, you know, what advice can you give our air defense artillery leaders out there who, you know, unknowingly are that mentor for those future soldiers who may decide to branch air defense artillery? That's a great question. You have to lead by example. You, you have to understand that every day you walk in the world where someone's looking at you, someone's watching you lead. Your example of leadership far outreaches uh, what you can imagine. People will, will further, they will emulate what they see. So you want to model the behavior. You want your subordinates to emulate or your mentees to emulate. You have to be that leader who's honest, upfront, who has character, candor, and commitment. Uh, you want to be that person that, that uh, people look up to and is inspired by. No one wants to follow someone it's not inspired by. You got to have that energy and passion. Uh, I've followed leaders and, and mentors who had a passion for leadership and a passion for taking care of people, a passion for getting after the mission. I mean, our chief of staff talks about winning matters. You have to have that mentality in our army in order to go on our modern battlefield and win and come back home, uh, come back home successful with that winning attitude. But we can't forget that people are first. P people are the core of our organization. We can't do our job without our people, uh, but they can coexist. People first, winning matters. I love it. That's a great slogan. I think we can get after that. And great mentors know how to how to have those two things at the corner, at the core of their of their leadership values. And I think young young soldiers and young officers, uh, young NCOs look up to that. That someone who can balance people first, but still winning does matter. So you know, looking at those two aspects, sir. And, you know, as we're here in the Air Defense Artillery School trying to develop leaders, you know, what experience or advice can you give as you're the leader now who's helping develop our future leaders? I think really it's uh, don't be afraid to to talk to someone, to seek mentors and seek coaches. I my, One of my mentors, long-term mentor, talked to me about in our career, we have coaches and mentors. 
and they're different and we need both of them to be successful. Coaches help you win championships, you know. Uh, coaches help you go to, have to bring out you your best potential. Uh, but coaches, if you don't do what a coach says on the football field or a basketball court, they're going to bench you. They're going to put you off to the side and you're going to go sit down for a second. But a mentor is someone that really is there for you to give you that sage advice, someone there to put their arm around you. And you can tell a mentor nearly anything and they won't judge you. They won't put you on the bench. They'll share with you their perspective and help you make a better informed decision. And whatever decision you make, they'll support that decision fully uh, and they'll be behind you. So I think you need that because you need coaches. You need someone to help you with career advice and someone to help bring out your full potential. But I think a mentor is someone that really can can really connect with the individual in a more intimate way. So that person really feels comfortable sharing with them. And that mentor, you know, won't judge you for a decision or if you don't make a, a move that a, that a mentor makes, a mentor suggests that, that nothing's going to happen. They're going to continue to be there for you. So I tell our young officers, seek mentors and coaches throughout your career. They're going to come and go. I mean, there's mentors I've had when I was a young officer that, that I may not connect with now. And there's some that have come into my life you know, later in my career that I connect with. Uh, so I think you, you need to have uh, those. Also, too, uh, nothing's new in the Army. We, we all do the same thing over again. So the challenges that you face today, chances are senior leaders have faced those same challenges and we've overcome them. So communicating with senior leaders. Now, granted, we don't we didn't have the Internet back in my day as heavy as we have now. But, but bottom line, soldiers are, are people and, and people still need leadership and inspirational leadership. Uh, and I think communication is a critical element of that. You have to talk to people, talk to soldiers, be comfortable talking to them. I have, I have no problem talking to a private and then going off and talking to a general officer. It's, it's, it's who I am. It, it's, it's, it's part of me. It's, it's part of my upbringing. Growing up in a small town in North Carolina, we all knew each other. Uh, so it wasn't like where those situations where, uh, people didn't feel uh, they, they feel threatened by a senior leader or, or threatened by someone who was older. It was that person who looked up to them. He looked up, looked up to them for wisdom and for, for knowledge and for experience. So I think communicating as leaders, we have to talk to our soldiers. We have to go down and, and openly talk to them about what's going on. We have to get deeper into the, the surface stuff. Like, where is your hometown? Who's your football team? We got to go deeper into what's going on because I want to be able to know my soldier in a way that if he or she comes to work, and they're different. I want to be able to pick that up. That's what great leaders do. We can pick up when a soldier is different. Uh, they, they're acting a different way. And if you know a soldier through intrusive leadership, through inspirational leadership, you can pick up on those things. So I think I'd tell young officers to really try to be uh, an inspirational and intrusive leader so that you can know your soldiers and find a good mixture of coaches and mentors and then communicate with your soldiers. That's key to success. Yeah, absolutely, sir. You know, Looking at the Army right now, uh, and we're, we're more focused on people, as, as you said earlier, and about driving change. And I know that you've taken that personally to heart with some of the topics that you've talked about here, but can you expand about how we're driving change in the a branch? Absolutely. Our branch has taken on some new, uh, new innovation, new technology, new weapon systems, and we have to align all the elements of the dot mil PF, you know, to make sure that we not only deliver a material solution, but deliver all the things that go along with that, so the doctrine, building the organization, getting after training. So for me, it's really making sure that all the other domains that are out there that I have an influence of, the doctrine, the organization, the training, I'm setting things in motion so that when that weapon system shows up, the Sergeant Stout, the new, you know, uh, the striker base, you know, insure at vehicle, 
I have everything in place to put that on the battlefield and it to be successful. So really it's, it's making sure that everyone who has a piece in that .mil PF is doing everything and it's integrated. Uh, so that there's facilities. I got to park the, the new striker vehicle somewhere. So making sure that we have a motor pool for that. I got to have soldiers to man it. So I got to make sure we have the people there. I got to make sure that they have something to use in terms of doctrine, how to, how to fight that weapon system. So really it's putting all those things in place and really driving that through to engage leadership. Uh, in fact, you know, tomorrow I have a meeting with dot D to look at doctrine for the new MSHRAT, the dot 44 manual. I'm going to make sure that we're going to have that manual ready as we start to feel new units with MSHRAT capability. So it's with so much modernization coming in the air defense artillery. I mean, it truly is an exciting time to be an air defender. Uh, with the new challenges of fielding new equipment, what advice can you give to our, our junior leaders that are out there who are really going to be the boots on the ground with this new equipment? Uh, great question. Really, it's, it's open your mind to what's possible in terms of how do we best employ this weapon system and how do we integrate it back into maneuver formations. You're really learning about doctrine, how the maneuver force fights, something that we, we pull ourselves from understanding that for a while. You know, we've been out of that, out of that, uh, uh, that, uh, that realm of, of support maneuver. So now I'd say get back to the doctrine, really understanding that. And, and we're sort of building that plan as we're flying it. We're sort of writing the doctrine now, but tactics and maneuver haven't changed. We just have to get back out there. So really young officers that are, that are coming to the bullet class really have to really, how can we bring more of maneuver experience? How can we bring more emphasis on how to support maneuver for those officers who are going to go out there? Uh, the second thing is uh, really just being open-minded, uh, embracing that new piece of equipment, embracing that new technology that's coming in and uh, and really using it to, to, to really, you know, win on the battlefield. Uh, there's no second place that we have to, we have to go out there. We didn't. We don't show up like a chief of staff or army says. We don't show up to get a second place trophy. We, we show up to win. So that attitude and that PhD that I talked about earlier, that has to be brought to bear when an officer first comes into an NCO or a soldier first comes into our formation, the Air Defense Artillery Branch. Uh, understanding that you have to have a PhD. With that, you can you can go out there and drive change. You can go out there and really develop our our subordinate leaders. So as our as our young leaders are out there in the force and they're learning these uh, lessons on these new equipment, how important is it in your mind to share their experiences and write articles for the Air Defense Artillery Journal? Great question. It's extremely important because like I stated, we are just building this plane as we're flying it. So for young officers and NCOs out there who, who, who are experiencing the new equipment or going to uh, to uh, test and evaluations or operational assessments, you have to write doc, help us write the doctrine, help us write, uh, the, the uh, articles that will help inform our force. Cause everyone, unfortunately, I can't give an insurance vehicle or, or a sergeant stout vehicle to every lieutenant out there. I'd love to, but the officers who are fortunate enough to do that help us by writing those articles that we can publish in our journal and not only help, you know, our, our young lieutenants, but our, our senior officers understand it as well too, because then I think we'll motivate other folks to write. As young officers get their experiences, they share them in articles, it will drive some of our senior leaders to kind of come on, uh, it kind of really come over the top or, or add to that, uh, that, that publication to, to really help that, help the whole body learn and understand. Uh, how our branch is going to uh, employ these new weapon systems uh, on the next uh, the next modern battlefield. So, uh, 
Major General Camper, uh, the Fire Center of Excellence Commanding General, talks about three corrosives that are in the Army today. And looking at pride, hustle, desire, and your comments on mentorship, uh, how do you think that helps uh, defeat those corrosives? Great question. I, I really believe in my heart that a PhD helps us get after those three corrosives, you know, sexual assault and harassment, you know, bigotry and racism, and suicide. I, I think if our soldiers, as the CG says, imbue uh, the PhD mindset and the culture, I think it'll help root out, you know, soldiers who take pride uh, in their organization, they don't allow anything negative to happen to one of their teammates. They don't, first of all, they don't do it themselves and they don't allow someone else to do it. Uh, and if you have pride, you don't go out and mistreat someone because of the color of their skin or or because they, they grew up in a different location than you did or their social eco, eco status is, is less than yours. You you really embrace that that diversity and you really embrace that difference and you and you see that they see the world through a different lens than you and perhaps uh, a, diff, a, a different lens sometimes is a better lens uh, and it, it makes the organization as a whole better itself. I think what the uh, PhD culture brings to uh, that, that three sclerosis problem set is a, is a way to, to stamp it out. Uh, because again, if you have a PhD and you really embody that, you won't allow those things to be in your formation. Uh, and General Camper also talks about how do we get that message down to our lowest level? I think PhD resonates, those three letters, three words resonate with our soldiers down to our most junior level. If, if we can get them to understand that. Now this is, this is in addition, so additive to the Army values. So it's PhD doesn't replace the Army values, it's additive, and they're, they're all included in that. So really enforcing the Army values and putting over top of that, you know, the, the, the icing on the cake, you know, the, the top level, the PhD, I think that will help us get those three corrosive out of our formation. Hey, sir, thank you so much for coming out and talking today on our first podcast. Do you have any closing comments, sir? I'd say, Don, this was my pleasure. I look forward to, to, to future engagements like this. I really enjoyed today's podcast. And, and I hope that uh, folks, listeners will take something away from this and, and really understand that uh, our branch is really in, in, on the cusp of a great transition. And I think the PhD culture, along with our Army values, will help us really excel in that. Uh, so I'm excited to do the next one on this uh, next podcast. And thank you, sir. And once again, that was the 44th Commandant of the U.S. Army Air Defense Artillery School and Chief of the Air Defense, Colonel Richard Harrison. And this is today's Air Defenders.